Blog Talk Radio. Test, test, test. <clears throat> there it is, Canes fans. That's Mario Cristobal's first run onto the field with a Miami Hurricanes football team. Yes, you can touch and feel your 2022 Canes now after a season-opening romp over Boone Cookman that served its purpose in giving Miami a complete dress rehearsal for the season but also exposing a few things that need to be worked on. Well, certainly things showed up in a positive way in terms of physicality and conditioning and uh, execution, particularly the offensive side of the ball. Um, and overall, I thought we played relatively hard. I think that still right now that we have to work on, they showed up in not just a positive way. There were a couple of penalties that need to be avoided that we can't waste. Positive plays by having those penalties. Uh, Acting was up and down. We had some good moments, bad moments, but third down, just a pass rush discipline lane being contained, uh, things of that nature that allowed for some big plays to bust out the door and sustain some of the drivers that we got to get better at. Um, first and goal, obviously, we fumbled the ball there. That's an excusable to run the center. And that doesn't work out with the new center. I should have done a better job coaching that. Um, a couple substitution errors. So aside from that, a lot of balance, uh, some big plays on both sides of the ball to control the game early and really proud of the second and third team guys that went in there execute at a high level and sustain the momentum to close out the football game. So one know some good things, stuff to work on, and looking forward to getting back to work. As we begin a new edition of Kingsport Live tonight, let's first start with the good news. The Miami offense was absolutely spectacular, and that includes the first team, the second team, and to some degree, even the third team. Everybody lined up correctly. There were no sloppy penalties. The Miami offense was 7-for-7 on third down against Bethune-Cookman, had 586 total yards, and 305 of them were rushing yards. We know that Tyler Van Dyke can sling the rock all over the field. Now we know, at least against this level of competition, that Miami can ground and pound it as well. Running backs Henry Parrish and Thaddeus Franklin looked absolutely great in those roles. Harris scored three touchdowns. Franklin scored two. Quarterbacks Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia were virtually perfect. Van Dyke logged a passer rating of 223.8, which was fourth best in all of college football. Garcia completed all eight of his passes. The receivers caught everything thrown to them. There were no drops. The defense, on the other hand, had enough breakdowns in the game to cause angst amongst the fan base and, to some degree, the coaches. Um, they returned to work this week on a mission to correct those issues. Against an offense that wasn't real good, this defense allowed 249 passing yards, and they had chunk plays given up in the passing game of 28, 34, 48, and 44 yards. There also was a 21-yard running play sprinkled in. But defensive coordinator Kevin Steele wasn't panicking. I think probably one of the things that we can play a little tight. in our coverage. There was some looseness in our coverage. We need to get our linebackers a little bit more comfortable in, in, in some of the calls that we have in terms of their drops and things. But 
that's that's the stuff to improve. Check, check, check. Uh, there were a ton of good things. I mean, we had I think 20 runs per call. They ran it for 25 yards. We, we do approach stats because you, you get no basis of real evaluation if quarterback scramble, which was not a good thing, by the way, because there's 68 yards of quarterback scramble. And that's, you know, we got we to get that taken care of and setting the edge in our rush. Uh, but that doesn't really tell you what your run defense is. And in college football, that goes on the run. Well, it's a pass call. It happens many times after the plays broke down in a pass call. So it, it doesn't tell you anything about run defense. The run defense is 20, uh, 20 call runs, 25 yards, 1.3 yards per carry. Which is that's good fits on the run. It's a pretty good job. Uh, now it was skewed a little bit because we did have one, they popped one out there on us, and we had a block on the back. I think he would have made the tackle, but you never know. Should have made it, but he got blocked on the back. That would have probably been about a 10 or 12 yard run at most because we missed a tackle. So, but that, they can't count what they didn't get. There's one other thing to take into consideration. There was minimal game planning that took place because there was not a lot of film available on the current Bethune team. Steele knows that the priority of this game was to play everybody. You've heard what we've said about that chart. Yes. You have, and, and like I said, we could tear this thing up. It really could. I mean, uh, they, they rotate, they deserve to play. Who plays the first play, you can flip them home. Uh, and so I think it got a little bit more imbalanced than we wanted it to get uh, because of rotation of drives. Mm -hmm. Probably need to do a little better job. It was not far off, but a little bit more balanced uh, in terms of, but he's, he's done a good job. He's got a great attitude. We don't, the players are convinced of what I'm telling them. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, this is the first team guy. He plays every snap and this guy goes in when we're way ahead or somebody's hurt. That's not the way we're built there. They know that. So uh, he, he's played really, really good. But no way to beat anybody out. Gotcha. And if they did, then you know what? We're going to go out there tomorrow and see if they can do it another way. Because we're going to compete for the job every day, every way. And so uh, nobody, and they understand this. I mean, it's about competing against our opponent, but it's also about making each other better. I work harder. You have to work harder. Here's another thing to keep in mind. There were 17 different defensive linemen who saw action in that game, and each of them had different strengths and weaknesses. And Steele said that not really having a grasp of who was in the game from one place to the other all the time limited his ability to match his play calls to the personnel, something that will not be an issue in most games this season when you are going to see a much tighter rotation on the defensive line. It, uh, it was interesting to say the least when you're trying to call it and, and sometimes you know what strengths and weaknesses are, are who's out there so you're trying to call it so it makes it a little bit hard sometimes. Uh, I think we played 17 in all and then 12 like you said multiple 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 or multiple snaps. Uh, it keeps them fresh. Uh, you know there will be games though where we have to get in sync and, and it may be six out there but uh, it, it, I think it speaks well of, of those guys of how they competed and earned playing time because that was not given to them. That wasn't, hey, let's, let's keep somebody happy and make sure he plays. So his mom didn't say, I drove all the way here to watch you play and you can get to play. You know, it wasn't that. We're going to play the guys that earned it. They earned it. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of KSport.com, and we welcome you once again 
to Kane Sport Live. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear on tonight's show, and we will address them tonight as we continue onward through the show. One other thing that we should talk about tonight is special teams. We saw in the FSU-LSU game on Sunday how special teams can impact the game. FSU was able to escape with a victory thanks to two muff punts and a blocked field goal and a blocked extra point on the hands of LSU. Miami was rock solid on special teams against Bethune-Cookman from Andres Borgales putting all 11 kickoffs into the end zone touchback to great blocking on kickoff returns, which allowed Keyshawn Smith to bust out in his first game as Miami's lead kickoff returner. Here's some special footage for you, courtesy of Keyshawn's mom, who points out that Keyshawn was returning kickoffs quite well as a little kid. Pretty good move there. Um, you know, it's amazing how sometimes some of these kids, when you look at footage of them when they were in middle school, even younger, and uh, you see a lot of the same skills that cross over to when they're college football players. And that's certainly the case there with Keyshawn Smith. All right, let's uh, go out to your calls now. The number is 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. Uh, sorry to throw a few curveballs at you guys. I know we had a different number last week, uh, but we were able to work out, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, the technology uh, to go back to our original phone bank because uh, what we were finding was we really need the 100 phone lines. A lot of people like to call in and when they're driving or whatever and listen to the show on their phone uh, on that call-in line. So, um, we just decided to cross over the technologies. We're back to the old number, 563-999-3550. You hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, so let's get it going. we got a wide open board. Start calling in. I want to hear from all of our regulars. I want to hear from new callers. Uh, we're starting out now in the 304. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Doing great, Gary. Hey, uh and I was able to attend my first uh, game at the Hard Rock, and uh, it was a blast. I'll tell you what, though, I am skeptic of the linebackers. I think I think our D-line, our DBs are there, but something's up with the linebackers. I'm sorry, what? No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Oh, uh, something's up. I, I get the feeling. I think a poster said it uh, earlier that it seems like uh, Flag and Steed are kind of getting that um, – getting that push to kind of give like that last chance to prove themselves. Uh, but I got to believe just from being at the game, watching the game that Johnson and Smith are going to be the starters against the big boys. Uh, and it seems like uh, still is really, or even Mario, they're really pushing. Uh, help me with the freshman's last name is the best team. It sounds like they really want to get him up and running. And uh, at this point, if Steed and flag have hit their ceiling, uh, I think everyone's in agreement that Bestine, his ceiling's a lot higher. Why not just throw him into the fire and let him learn, you know? 
And by the way, what are your thoughts on Malik Curtis? I mean, we hear all this about Malik Curtis, and I thought Keyshawn did a great job, but I thought he would Curtis would at least get a few shot kicks just to kind of prepare himself because, from what everyone says, he's lights out. What are your thoughts? All right, um, lots to dive into there. All right, so let's talk first about Caleb Johnson. Uh, you know, obviously we all assumed that when they brought him in the transfer portal from UCLA that he was going to be the starter from day one and minute one. And uh, I asked Kevin Steele about it, and, you know, he made it pretty clear, a zero attention to the depth chart. Uh, we, aren't, we aren't taking it seriously. I mean, they played 17 defensive linemen. <laughs> What does that tell you? When, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, they're going to play six, seven, maybe eight. Uh, you're not going to see anything like what you saw on Saturday. But Saturday's game was the opportunity to let a lot of guys play. And uh, right. I think that, yeah, you know, I think that's what they did. And, and we'll probably see if things go well, although, you know, I, I think Southern Miss will be a, a little bit of a better test than Bethune, but – uh, if things go well on Saturday, I think we'll see a lot of the similar type of rotation. This is the time right now to build de- depth, to get a feel for what guys can take what they've done on the practice field and, and carry it over to game day and um, kind of really get your plan going because it's, it's game on on the 17th, man. I don't have to tell you guys that. Uh, that's going to be a huge game for Miami because, you know, the Canes haven't shown up for these games since 2017 when Notre Dame came to Hard Rock Stadium. Um, Got blown out by LSU, got blown out by Alabama, and this is going to be another moment on a national stage, national TV, 9 o'clock Eastern, uh, you know, 8 o'clock, obviously, Central, and uh, it's going to be a huge game for the program. It really is. Uh, I know it's not a conference game, but – it's gonna be it's gonna be a respect game, and Texas A and M is you know they're 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 ranked up there I think number five or whatever number six, but depending on the poll, but uh, this is a great opportunity. That that's a team that can that can be had if you play a good game. Uh, so uh, so the first thing I would say to your comment is don't get too caught up in the depth chart uh, right now. I, you know they're playing a lot of guys, a lot of different combinations. If somebody was just a little bit nicked up, they reduced their reps. Uh, and, you know, they're taking a look at younger guys like Wesley Bassaint, Chase Smith, uh, who have been flashing at times. Wesley Bassaint played very well the other day. Chase Smith was a special team uh, warrior and seems like he's on the cusp of breaking through as a linebacker for, for playing time. Uh, so this is an evolving situation at linebacker. I think the coaches see the same thing that we all see out here. We know that that is one of the more challenged positions on the team. Uh, I think they want some new blood to emerge there if they can. Now, you know, at the same time, Corey Flagg against that level of competition held up fairly well the other day. Uh, you know, he, he, he played okay. He graded out fine. Uh, and I don't quite understand. He was taking a beating. Uh, we had a post-game show, and um, they were crushing him in the comments. I'm already seeing it on the comments tonight on YouTube on this show. Uh, Kyloran Miami Kane says replace flag immediately, and you know there seems to be. Yeah, a I don't little... want to beat up on the young man either. I heard the I heard the post game, and I mean I, that's I, I, that's why I kind of went with the whole. He's kind of reached his ceiling. I think we have younger talent on the team that has a higher ceiling. We're just trying to be professional in saying that. But I mean at the end of the day, this this next game we shouldn't have an issue. But I mean really, you want to 
I, I, I mean, you got to believe that we got to get experience in there because the AM game, not only is it just for the schedule, but for recruiting too. It's, it's a massive game. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, you got to have patience. You got to let the coaches work through what they are, are working through to get to a, a, a comfort point where, uh, you know, they feel like they're putting the best players on the field. And, and, and they will get there for sure. This is a, a very high-quality uh, coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I just think that it's going to take a few weeks. You know, they, they, haven't, they haven't gone to war with these guys yet. So, you know, I, I think we just got to be a little bit patient, you know, in, in that regard. Um, I think this week is going to be interesting also because A&M has App State. And, I mean, again, it's App State, I know. I think North Carolina's defense is suspect. But you cannot deny that App State has a passing offense with, with Bryce. So it's going to be interesting to watch that as well. Kind of give us a teaser, see what we're able to do, whether we, whether we ought to be a main run or open it up for the pass, which obviously I'm a fan of. All right, did you have anything else uh, for tonight? I think we're good, Gary. Keep on, keep All right, on. Man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, I did see one comment um, about the, uh, the caller audio quality. We are trying to work on that. Uh, we got a lot of moving parts here. This is all you know, new technology that we're kind of trying to bring together. Uh, so just have, have, have patience with us, and uh, we will continue to try to improve that here um, as we go through the week. So 563-999-3550, you hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And now we are going out to the 941. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's the Meister Kane. Hey, what's up, Meister? How you doing this week? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Just watching the highlights of the game here. And uh, big shout-out for uh, all our uh, all our team fans out there calling uh, – calling in to uh, participate in the show here. Uh, I have no commentary this year at this time, um, but I want to tell you guys about uh, my situation, and uh, it's quite a situation. It's a medical situation that I have. I have a heart deficiency. I've been diagnosed with uh, ASD, which is atrial septal deficiency. It's a hole in my heart between the upper two chambers, and I'm going to have to have surgery, and I ask everybody in Kane's Nation to uh, pray for me, yourself included, obviously. We will. We promise. So, oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, I, on the game, uh, I did notice that the linebackers were kind of uh, out of sync a little bit. A lot of crosses, some crossing patterns were uh, – kind of being overlooked on that. Uh, what, what do we got on that situation there, bud? I think that they had some technique things that broke down. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot that they're going to be working on in practice this week. Uh, I'm not jumping to conclusions on it. I mean, if you're talking about a deficiency at linebacker, I mean, that's where teams are going to attack you. They're going to attack you on intermediate crossing routes. 
because that's where they're going to feel that they can isolate the linebackers and, and take advantage of that a little bit. And uh, I think, you know, Bethune did a good job in saying, okay, well, where might we find an edge? And, and they did. And, um, you know, <laughs> there were some chunk plays there that, that were not good. I mean, um, we talked about it in, in the open. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm trying to get the numbers in front of me right now, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there were like four or five really, really, really big plays that you were like shocked to see against the level of competition against Bethune Cookman. And, um, I, you know, I think it's a good thing because to me, the worst thing that could have come out of that game is not having anything get exposed and, and, and walking out of there and saying, man, we're great. We got everything uh, under control. We're ready for Texas A&M. And then you show up in College Station uh, in, what, 11 days now. And yeah, now suddenly everything's being exposed. So, like, at least they can work on this stuff now, right? I mean, you know, at least right. they, they So, so, you know, I, 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 yes, I consider that a good thing, Mike, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you want to get that – you want to try to get that solved before the A&M game. It's one thousand fans, obviously. You know, that's one of those things there. So, um, anyway, yeah, let me let me see something else here. I wanted to, I wanted to find that one. Uh, I can't find it. Never mind. I'm, uh, I'm watching – I'm watching the highlights of the game, trying to find that one crossing, crossing route there that they exposed. No, nope, that's not it. Uh, I guess I'll just have to look for it later. But uh, Xavier Restrepo had a really had a really decent day. Receivers are starting to step up, don't you think, a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, Michael Redding showed up. I mean, that was a, to me a, a positive. They didn't throw the ball to Keyshawn at all. Uh, I mean, Restrepo is going to need some company. I mean, people are going to get onto Restrepo, and he's going to start getting a lot more attention from defenses. And, you know, they're going to need these other guys. And I, I thought it was a very, very, very positive uh, development that Michael Redding, you know, made a couple catches and, and started building some confidence. And they'll need other guys, too, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, certainly they're going to need Keyshawn to, to step up. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see who else can do it. Uh, I'm not going to make any predictions there because of how much uneven performance that, you know, we saw throughout training camp. Uh, but uh, forward progress, absolutely. There's a lot more confidence within the program that these guys can make, the, you know, contributions. And uh, Josh Gaddis is going to keep going to them. They're his guys. I mean, he coaches the receivers. And until they prove to him that they aren't ready for prime time, he's going to keep going at them. Well, I wanted to ask you this, Gary, while you were there. I mean, you've seen some of the practices, right? Do they, do those receivers look like they have blazing speed, like they can get behind defenders for big chunks no. of yardage? No. no. That's, one of, the weak, that's one of the weaknesses of the team is uh, outside speed. There, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Frank Ladson uh, is a guy that you have hope for, you know, just because of his physical size and, you know, he, he also caught the one pass that was thrown to him the other day. Uh, but uh, he's not a burner either. And, you know, there's, there, you know, Keyshawn, we saw in the kickoff returns, can run decently. 
Um, Matt yeah. and I were commenting yeah. to each other if Devin Hester were returning those kicks, they would have been touchdowns. So, uh, but you know that's not fair. I mean, there's you know Devin Hester is the greatest returner in the, maybe in the history of football. So, uh, right. But, but, but no, Mike, it's it's a weakness. Uh, there there is not great speed on the outside. That that's where you need like a five star like uh, what's his name Brandon Lewis from Heritage. I'm not sure he's a burner either. You know, I mean, he he's got okay who, speed. Who who's a burner out there? What? Oh man, can't Ray, that guy. Ray, Ray, I think Ray Ray is going to be really Ray Ray is Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph. I think he's going to be a pretty quick receiver. Uh, he looks to me like he's got that kind of uh, speed. And you know, he'll he's got a shot there, and they're going to keep looking, you know, for for guys that that you know can bring that that difference level speed. But he's definitely, without question, I think somebody that can do it. Um, you know, I think Washington, you know, looks to me right. like he's got potential to develop into you know a, a second gear kind of guy. You know, Robbie Washington. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but, but it, it's going to have to come in recruiting. It's going to have to come in the transfer portal. Uh, I don't think it's on the current roster. Yeah, it's too late in the season now for that. But, uh, man, I'm trying to think of that, that third-string quarterback, what's his name, Ja'Cory Brown, I think it is. That was, yep. Wasn't there a rumor they might try him as a receiver? Or, uh, or is that uh, – it was just me having fun in the lab, you know, thinking, huh, you know, they need help at receiver. Who can help? And I, you know, I thought about Malik Curtis. I, you know, I, I thought about Chris Graves. And then I'm looking at Jacuri right. and, and I'm remembering how athletic he was in high school. And he's built kind of like Latson, like Lance Leggett. And I'm thinking to myself, right. like, you know, I wonder what he would look like as a receiver. I would love to see him take, take some reps. And I, and I, I posted right. that. And I created a firestorm. I mean, a lot of guys were like really rattled by that. And I don't know why if, you know, some were more offended than others, but like Jacuri is, I mean, they got a little package for him. You saw them try to roll it out the other day and they couldn't even get the ball snapped. But, um, you know, they got a little package where they try to take advantage of his athletic ability and do a few things. But like, here's my question. Like you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Tyler Van Dyke, um, yeah. To me, like, why would you ever take him off the field? Like, you know, I I get it. Sometimes in the red zone, you want to mix things up and make somebody prepare for different things. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, Jacuri brings a lot to the table in in that regard. Yeah. If you want to, you know, if you want to do things like run the wildcat or different things like that, and and make a defense spend time preparing for him. Uh, but at the same time, man, I don't. I don't know that I want to take Tyler Van Dyke off the field very much. He's he's obviously really, really good. No, you want to keep him on the field at all times. You want to keep your best personnel on the field at all times, obviously. And here's another thing about Chris Graves. He played he played double at uh, Bishop Perot. He did do receiver and defensive back at Bishop Perot. So I was yeah. thinking, you know, why not give him a shot? But you know, like you said, you know, this is, uh, you know, <laughs> you created a firestorm <laughs> with that other guy. I did, man. I didn't mean to. I didn't. I didn't mean to upset anybody. You know, I'm certainly not, you know, picking on anybody oh. or whatever. I mean, I think to Curry Brown, really, 
to me, he's like a really good athlete. And, and, and I'm looking forward and I'm saying, okay, well, he's the number three quarterback this year. Uh, he's not, I don't see him beating out Jake Garcia next year. Uh, when I watched in practice, I mean, you saw Jake comes in, he completes eight out of eight. He's got great presence in the pocket. I mean, J- Jake looks like a polished quarterback out there right now. Uh, a year from now, he's going to be even better. Uh, you know, if Tyler does go into the NFL, which everybody expects at this point, um, yeah, I don't think someone. Yeah, I don't think Chikuri is going to beat is going to beat him out. And and then you got Jaden Rashada coming into the program, who I think very highly of, and, and I think he's going to be a very good college player. And uh, Emery Williams is still committed. We'll see if that one sticks or if he gets you know cold feet on the competition uh, that he'd be facing. Uh, but there's going to continue. They're not going to stop recruiting quarterbacks these next few years. And there's going to continue to be quarterbacks mm-hmm. coming in the program. And, you know, to me, you've got this great athlete. Uh, what's the harm in giving him a few reps? I don't even know if he can catch a ball. Maybe he's got stone hands and he can't do it. And then what I said is a moot point. But to me, it's like, where is the harm in seeing, you know, throw him a couple fade routes and, and, and see if he can go up and get it. Yeah, see if he can see what he can do. You know, give it a shot. You know, why not? But <laughs> that, every everybody out there has got to be very serious about these sort of things, I guess. So, oh, another thing too, I got what is going on with the AP? We didn't we didn't move up or down. We just stayed there at number sixteen. I don't get that. Do you? I mean, they're just not overreacting to a win over Bethune Cookman, like. I don't have any problem with it. I don't think the rankings right now matter. Uh, all that matters is what happens in college. Well, I don't, let's not overlook this game. What happens Saturday? And then what happens really in College Station next week? You go up there, yeah. you, you beat Texas A&M, you're moving up significantly in the rankings. So why stress about oh, it? Why yeah. even think about it? What difference does it make? Right, right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that I I watched that game, Gary. They uh they look awfully awfully solid. Texas A and M looks really good right now. Good. They're you know I don't think they're the fifteenth fifth ranked team in the country. Personally, that's my opinion. But they're good. I mean, people think they're number five, number six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, six. yeah, they're number six. I checked the I checked the polling. It's number six in the AP. Is what they are. But uh, well, here's the hope and the. Right? So, anyway, Gary, well, let's let some other callers get on the show here for tonight. Uh, pray about my heart situation, and uh, I give a shout-out to Greg and everybody else. Uh, Kane, Kane, if you're out there, you know, shout-out to you, you know, Adam, you know, everybody, you know, pray for me, okay? When's your surgery, Mike? I uh, don't know yet. Uh, I, I get an evaluation on September the 22nd. Okay. So we'll see. I'll keep right, you we'll guys bet. posted. Yeah, best of luck All with right. everything, man. You got it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being part of the show, as always. Okay, um, the number is 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, you're also welcome to continue – uh, submitting comments on the YouTube chat. Uh, CD Wright is uh, rocking and rolling over there. Um, but uh, let's see. Daniel Morell says, 
did the game get us more or less excited for the season and why? I'd like to hear from the callers what they think about that question. Uh, but I know I'm excited. I, I mean, I saw an exciting football team that was well-organized, well-coached. Like I said earlier, no stupid penalties. Um, I didn't see a lot of mental busts on the offensive side of the ball. We saw some on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I personally thought that that was a byproduct of how many guys that they were playing in the game. And, and you know, I think once the rotations tighten and the focus becomes getting the players prepared that are going to be on the field the most and, and, and it, it kind of gets shrunk down a little bit and, Kevin Steele knows who's going to be out there and he's tailoring his play calls to the strengths of the guys on the field. Um, I think it'll probably uh, start looking a little bit different. So uh, I didn't, you know, panic too much about that. Um, CD Wright comments about uh, flag saying everyone has flaws. He's a bit undersized and on the slow side. Yes, he is. He's really good at understanding what offenses are doing and he tackles fairly well. Uh, yes, when he's not overmatched athletically. And uh, there will be times when they're playing teams where he will be. And a guy like, you know, Caleb Johnson is faster uh, and more experienced in college football. And I expect the rep distribution to change a little bit as we go forward in the season. Uh, C.D. Wright also, also then says that he watched the game again last night and the defense overall looks slow. Sometimes you play faster than you are, but they just look slow. And I agree with that. That was my thought as I was watching the game live. And I, again, didn't want to jump to too big of a conclusion on that just because I respected the fact that Bethune-Cookman did have a, some, some decent athletes on their team. Uh, I thought the quarterback was very athletic and uh, they were capable of making some plays. So, but uh, no question that there were times out there where the defense did not play as fast as, you know, everybody would like to see them play. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go back to the calls. 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad. I see a lot of guys on the board. Um, not everyone's hitting the number one. If you want to come on the show, hit the number one on the keypad. It puts you in the queue. I bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. Now let's go out to the 845. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Greg? How you doing this week? I'm doing well. Hope you are. Um, my first wanted to say, uh, by watching that first drive, I thought they brought Manny Diaz back as coordinator with the uh, third and 23, <clears throat> they allow a first down. I mean, yeah, you know, I, it was it was a little rough there early, no doubt. I'll tell you a funny story. I, I know a very prominent Canes fan, and he's decided that every Penn State game this year, he's going to bet a thousand bucks on the over, uh, figuring that Manny Diaz defense will always allow him to win a thousand bucks every week. He won his thousand week one very easily. And uh, it wasn't totally because of Manny, but uh, he, uh, he, he cashed his ticket week one and it'll be interesting to see how he does the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting seeing Manny coaching that Penn State defense. 
Okay, I, I, I want to bring up a point. I think you and Matt are underselling Thad Franklin. I think he's a pretty okay. damn good running back. You guys dismiss him as like an afterthought. Well, I think Greg, Greg, let me stop you for one second. I don't think we dismiss him as an afterthought. He was not in the picture very much a few weeks ago. Okay, but when but when um, when Cheney and Citizen got hurt, uh, things changed. He's not an afterthought at all right now. As we saw last week, he's a guy that's going to have to play a lot of football. I mean, they need him. They, you know, Henry Parrish uh, is not the biggest, you know, the, the, the biggest guy in the world. Like, he, he is not going to be able to withstand enormous talent. He had 14 carries last week. I mean, I think that's about right for him. And then they, they gave Franklin nine. Uh, I like that distribution, Greg. I, I thought it was—I thought it was very good. I—I I, thought—I thought it was right on, right on point, and I think we'll continue to see that here over the next few weeks. And then Knighton's coming back, so Franklin becomes the third—the third option. I'd much rather have him on third and one than those other two. I'll tell you right now. Help. Who pushed the pile at least? Um, I see Mario is very complimentary of this kid, Inez Cooper. He's good. He Mario thinks he's going to be a superstar. He he loves that kid. Uh, he's 340, 350 pounds, but he he moves like he's 300. And uh, once they get him figuring out what to do. Like, I, I don't know how big of a real factor he'll be this year as a freshman, but they love his potential. They think he is going to be great. Okay. Uh, I saw your pro football focus numbers. Jake Garcia was eight for eight, and he had a 68 rating. Please, please explain that one to me. Who did you say? Jake Garcia was perfect. Yeah, on his- I don't, I don't know, man. He, 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 I don't know where they felt he went wrong. I mean, you know, they're evaluating every player, every play, and I think they do a pretty good job at Pro Football Focus. Uh, but where they think that he went wrong, Jake, uh, in that game the other night, I, I don't know. I thought he was darn good. Okay, my last point, Tyreek Stevenson. Is he going to survive on the outside against fast yeah. receivers? Yes, he will. Uh, he, he got you know, smoked I, by that guy the other day. That was one, that was one play he got smoked. Here, here's what happened, and it's not an excuse. And he knows, he knows he owns it, and he knows that he relaxed and got caught. But, you know, they were pulling guys in and out of the game a, a lot, Greg. I mean, and right. – you know, I keep referring to it. I, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses. I'm not making excuses. I'm searching for answers and reasons. And, uh, you know, guys were in and out, and, and, and I think you can lose a little focus and concentration. And that's what happened to Tariq on that play. He just lost his focus. His technique broke down, and the kid ran by him, and the pass was perfect, and he got caught. And uh, he learned from it, and – uh, he knows that he needs to be better than that, and uh, I think he will. I think you know he had a really nice year last year. Doesn't mean nobody's ever going to beat him. I mean, there's no corner that never gets beat. Uh, but 
he understands that he lost his concentration on that play and it hurt him and it hurt the team. And he is very focused this week. And you'll see that, um, I guess it'll be Thursday when we run his blog on the site and uh, you'll see his thoughts on that. He talks about that quite a bit in his blog this week. I, I'm sorry. I got one last thing about Oregon. You told you claim that Mario left such a great roster out of Oregon. Why are they bringing in Patrick Nix as a quarterback if they have a five-star quarterback that Mario recruited? And they got all these great players. Oh, and, I, what uh, happens? Yeah. You lose by 46 points. I hear, I hear you, man. Like, and I know, I, I, I mean, I really felt that way about the the Oregon team. But the Oregon team that Mario left lost a lot of its better players. Um, you know, Travis Dye, the running back, I think went to USC. Um, you know, you're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, a couple of the offensive linemen came to Miami. Um, but I was stunned at the way that they were pushed around in that game. I mean, it was, it was disgusting. I mean, it was ugly the way Georgia was throwing those guys around like ragdolls. And I'm sure if Mario saw clips of that, I'm sure he was like stunned at, at what he was watching because, you know, I know he felt pretty good about those kids. And, uh, you know, as far as their quarterback, uh, the T.Y. Thompson kid was the top recruit. Uh, he didn't develop as a true freshman and clearly now, uh, they didn't feel good enough about him that they felt they had to bring uh, Bo Nix from Auburn out there uh, to be their quarterback. And it didn't work out real well week one. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look to me like they got the same running back talent. I, it, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really up on their team, uh, to be honest with you, but uh, it was not very good, as you're noting. I mean, uh, they look to be like they'll be lucky if they're a 500 team this year. That's the third straight game they've gotten their ass kicked twice by Utah and once by Georgia. All right, Gary, thank you. I appreciate it. Greg, thank you as always for being part of the show. Fine. All right, uh, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad. If you would like to come on the show, uh, let's go out now to the 786. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, my friend, how are you? Hey, what's up, everything? How are you doing this week? Hey, man. Doing phenomenal. How are you doing, Gary? Doing good, doing good. Hey, listen, before I get started, I just wanted to throw out there my, my sentiments and my thoughts for, for Meister Kane. Uh, I know it's a tough situation he's going with, so just – Brother, we have you all in our prayers. So uh, you're going to be fine. You're going to get through it. And uh, you'll be back at uh, at the Rock in no time to the Canes on. So just wanted to pass that along, Gary. Yes, sir. I agree, man. Mike Stracanes, you, you can tell. You, you can just tell sometimes when, when you talk to somebody uh, over a phone line or they come on a show like this. And, you know, Mike's always fun. I'm waiting for him to start whipping out some music and um, stuff like he did last year. But, uh you know, yeah, I mean, you feel for anybody that has to go through health problems, and that one sounds a little serious. So, uh, absolutely, he's got all of our prayers. He's a first-class first 
class came, Gary. First class came, my friend. But uh, I want to no touch doubt. upon what I saw this past weekend. Uh, and I think you've covered most of it, so I hate, I hate to be sound uh, repetitive here, but I, I just think uh, it's one of those games which is really it's a glorified practice. Uh, that's pretty much what I take from it. Uh, you learn a little bit about some of the players that we have that are younger. We had a lot of thoughts confirmed, a lot of opinions confirmed on the returners that have come back and who they really are when, when the lights come on. So, you know, we had that confirmed. And I just think that uh, Mario's doing it the right way. He's trying to keep all these older guys uh, pretty much involved and for them to really be an intricate part of where we're going. So he's trying to base the foundation through them as much as he can, and hopefully it extends to these young guys and that they all buy into what he expects, what he demands, or what they all demand as a coaching staff. So I I understand what he's trying to do, but sooner or later, yeah, you're going to see some of these younger guys getting more snaps. Sooner or later, you're going to have less guys playing on the defensive line. Sooner or later, you're going to have only seven guys playing on the offensive line. Sooner or later, it's just going to be four wide receivers that are getting any snaps. So that's all going to come about as we go. But this is a great week. I think um, it definitely it's a better, much better opponent. Uh, you've got a, a, a solid running game from them. Uh, they just lost to Liberty at home. Liberty has not been a joke at all in the direction of Hugh Freeze. So I'm excited about what we see on Saturday. Um, but I'm also wondering at what, and maybe you can give us some more clarity on this, Kerry, but to what extent is it is it critical, okay, from a coach's mind, to go ahead and make sure Zion and Rooster play this week? How critical do you think that is at this stage? Uh, if Zion's going to play against A&M, I think it's critical that he plays some this week. I'm just not sure he's going to. I don't know. You know, we'll have to see uh, how he continues to develop uh, here or, you know, recover from his, his injuries and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it'd be hard, it would be hard to just throw him out there against Texas A&M with the, with the athletes that they'll have on the defensive line. I, I don't know that, that we'll see that. Uh, so I think it's very important that he play this week. Rooster, I think, was close to playing last week. Uh, they can't afford to lose him everything. I mean, he, he is, to me, like, really, I mean, I, I feel that way about, about Restrepo. Uh, I, you know, there's just a couple guys on this team that are so important that, you know, they can't afford to lose them. So if he's not 100% physically, I don't think I would play him Saturday. I think that he would be fine because he's a skilled player, you know, catching balls out of the backfield and stuff against Texas A&M. So I'm not as worried about that. But uh, an offensive lineman who hasn't, you know, who's missed training camp and now, you know, has had very few reps in practice and, now walking out and having to play against Texas A&M, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't like that that formula right there. So we'll see. I, I just, from a coaching perspective, if he doesn't start, then I, I don't think he's going to be available for A&M. Yeah. And if he, if he is, it's going to be something like to spot in in case somebody gets hurt up front. Uh, if I, if you don't see him, if we don't see him start Saturday. I have some serious thoughts about the upcoming week as well. Uh, with regards to Rooster, Gary, I understand he's a smaller back, but when you look at him and Parrish, they're very similar. But Rooster has that extra gear, and he's a little bit more elusive. 
so I, I think his his uh, he's so dynamic that he puts more pressure on defense than Parrish does at this at this stage, especially when he's attacking your second and your third level uh, defensively. So I, I'm really hoping that he's ready to come back and get a couple of snaps this weekend, 15, 20 touches maybe or so, 50, at least 10 touches, get his rhythm going, and then be ready for uh, A&M. On the recruiting front, uh, you mentioned this this the venue that was built, I think, for for the car race, if I'm not mistaken, or something, or the tennis. I don't know what it was, but it, it had that venue for all the recruits. Uh, and it was yeah, like, a, cool. like a special VIP area. You know, I, I just I just can't wait to have you know a couple of five stars coming in and being here on game day here the next couple of weeks uh, for a game. I, I think that'll really Sell where we're at, and, and yeah, it requires us to play well the next two weekends. But uh, just to know that 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 opportunity is there for these kids, even the kids that are 24s and 25s. I mean, you always like to go ahead and you think ahead about recruiting, but at least we're doing things that are at an upper level. Um, I, I know every school has the big three has their unique uh, settings. I know we had a couple South Florida kids up in Columbus this past weekend. But I, I think that just adds more value to the experience that you can get here at UM. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're doing a nice job uh, in, in recruiting and, in, uh, you know, trying to elevate the experience. And, and this was pretty cool. I mean, I, I was a little, like, a little skeptical at first. You know, uh, they have this big uh, area, and they use it for the F1 race, and it's uh, built out very, very nice. But it was kind of like across the, the, the main road. There's like a perimeter road around Hard Rock, as you know, I'm sure. And it was kind of like on the other side. And the coaches are having to come all the way out of the stadium to go there. And it, it, it just it seemed to me like it was a little bit of a big deal um, in, in that regard. Uh, but, you know, it worked. I mean, it, it really did. It, it worked. Um, and, you know, the funniest thing was, about 90 minutes before the game, Mario comes walking out, comes walking through the lobby on the home side, um, walks through the lobby, out the front doors, through the fan fest area uh, to come over to this recruiting uh, area that they had, they had built, that they had, that they were using. And I'll be, I'm thinking to myself, like, he might not want to try this during Florida state week, you know, I mean, um, because it might get a little bit more, uh, testy out there, but you know, listen, it it worked out fine and they're trying to elevate the experience for the recruits. And I I think that's just part of the ultimate, the the big picture, the big vision that he's got where we need to go to. And it's not going to be immediate. A lot of us think it's an immediate switch that we turn on and it's not going to be immediate. It's going to take a while. And and, uh, as negative, uh, negative Nelly or AKA Matt Savelle says every morning with you, he keeps it as realistic as he can. So this is still a team that you know, eight and eight and four, nine and three. Uh, that's kind of where we're going to be at. Uh, you could kind of still see that the same issues we've had, but hopefully the infusion of younger talent combined with better coaching, uh, with the twenty-eight, or thirty-five of the analysts that we have, whatever that number may be, hopefully that all those uh, commitments to our resources that they start to pay off. And I, I think. We'll be playing our best ball, Gary, the last five, six games of the year. And I see us playing our best ball at that point and also hopefully, you know, going to a bowl game winning. 
So with that, all I'll, right. I'll let you go, G. And again, I appreciate your time, and uh, go Canes, guys. All right, all right, man. Well, first of all, there, there's no more negative Nelly. Negative Nelly has been sent on a month-long cruise. Uh, Matt Chodell is as positive as can be now. Uh, and, um, you know, there's no reason not to be positive. I mean, you know, if the team looked good week one, you got a big game coming up in 11 days. And uh, be positive, be fired up for it. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. All right, um, got a pretty wide open board. Got one or two more callers, callers to get to here, but uh, it's a little quiet on the phone lines tonight. So great opportunity for you to come on the show. 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, looking over again at the comments on YouTube. Uh, Demcanes01 says, I'm hearing we will start unleashing Wesley the Saints. And uh, I would say, Demcanes, you are hearing correctly. Uh, you will see Wesley the Saints as soon as they feel comfortable putting him out there. He is one of the standout freshmen in this year's recruiting class. He is picking things up very, very quickly and looks extremely fast and extremely good out there. I don't know if it will happen for Texas A&M. That is asking a lot to throw a true freshman linebacker on the field in that game. But I do think that you will start to see more Wesley the Saints. I think you will see some of him this week against Southern Miss. And how this continued experimentation with him goes will determine uh, how much you see him uh, moving forward. But he's, you know, he has uh, enormous, enormous potential as, as well. Um, let's see. Um, Christopher Wright likes Thad Franklin's balance uh, for his size. I totally agree. I thought his footwork was the best that we had ever seen from Thad Franklin. And uh, I think you can continue to see continued improvement uh, there. Uh, J.R. Barr says, make sure to pronounce Cooper's uh, first name right. I admittedly am horrendous with pronunciation sometimes, um, you know, is it, I'm assuming it's, it's Anez uh, Cooper. Uh, I'll just call him Cooper for now. Uh, and I will tell you that that kid is going to be really, really good. Mario Cristobal thinks he's going to be a superstar. Manuel Soto says I'm making excuses for the defense. Uh, no, I'm not making excuses. I said, I said very clearly, I was searching for answers. When I see a Miami Hurricanes defense, uh, giving up big chunk plays to Bethune-Cookman. I want to know why it's happening. And I start analyzing why it's happening. And I think I, knew, I felt like I knew why it was happening. It was, it was because of all the rotation that was going on. And that was, you know, they, were, they weren't perfectly in sync. And they weren't communicating perfectly with each other. And uh, not an excuse. There's no excuses, Okay. Um, but I do think that that was one of the key explanations for why the defense maybe struggled a little bit on Saturday. Um, Joel Hogu says, if the sky is falling with a blowout win, what will happen when the Canes lose? People will be calling for coaches' heads. Ridiculous. Of course that's what's going to happen. When has that not happened? I remember planes uh, flying over hard over, um, I guess it was the Orange Bowl back then, uh, calling out Butch Davis. I, I mean, like, who only put together 
the best roster in college football history after that. That's what the Canes fan does. They call for heads. They overreact. Um, so, yes, when the Canes lose, of course, that's going to be the reaction. 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, open board. Let's go out to the 386. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How we doing tonight? Doing great. Who's this? This will. Uh, I didn't. I What's wasn't up, able to catch the show. I wasn't able to catch the show last week. I don't know if someone asked what um, I'm getting ready to ask last week, but a um, couple of things real quick. Um, I'm not sure, you know, we won game into the season. You know, everybody's already giving our linebackers a hard time. But I guess I'm kind of confused here. Are these guys that we can win with against the Texas A&M and Clemson, or is it going to be a long season? I have felt that because of the increased quality of the defensive line and based on what what we have seen in practice and um, going all the way back to the, to the spring, um, you know, with guys like Agude, Mesador, uh, Jafari Harvey's playing better football. Um, Daryl Jackson, I think, is a really good defensive tackle. Leonard Taylor needs to be that guy. Um, I have felt, um, you know, Harrison Hunt played decently the other day. We'll see how he does when the competition gets better, uh, Jordan Miller with that big body. Uh, you know, I have felt that with better play on the defensive line and the capability to have fresh legs in the game at all times, that they would be able to mask some of the deficiencies at linebacker. Now, <laughs> we saw Bethune-Cookman comes out and they're isolating those crossing routes and it didn't look real pretty at times. And there are going to be times when you need those linebackers to make a play and uh, when you need more speed on the field. And to me, the question is, can the Wesley the Saints of the world, can the Chase Smiths of the world, can Caleb Johnson, uh, can those guys come through and get themselves ready to play the big game to where they can maybe solve some of those problems and, and, you know, we don't have an answer for that yet. And anything I would say about that right now um, would be pure guesswork uh, because it's a, it's a, it's a very legitimate question and it's a very legitimate weakness on this team. And there's going to be times where it doesn't look good. I think we have to, you know, accept that, but um, I'm hoping that there could be enough disruption at the line of scrimmage. I mean, we saw Mesador the other day, tip a pass, that was then in, intercepted by Gil Frierson. And, you know, I'm hoping there can be enough disruption at the line of scrimmage to maybe throw off some of those plays in the intermediate zones to where teams might try to exploit those linebackers. Okay. A uh, couple other things real quick here. There was once upon a time when it was nothing for a true freshman linebacker to get on the field at Miami. Now, what I'm talking about is the Armstead, the Ray Lewis's, and the Jonathan Bilmers of the world. Why is that 
become such a hard position for all of it, for a true freshman to get on the field at linebacker. I mean, for starters, look at the guys you're talking about. You know, Ray Lewis, Jonathan Vilma, guys that played many, many years in the National Football League that were like all-American level talents at the college level. I mean, you know, you're comparing them to Corey Flagg. I, I, my, the answer to that question would be recruit better, you know. Manny Diaz did nothing in recruiting the whole time he was here. Linebacker was his pet position. He, you know, he, he didn't get anything done in recruiting linebackers. You got to recruit better. Uh, that's the bottom line. You want better players on the field, you got to recruit better. Okay. And last two here. Uh, here's the doozy now. Um, and what comes to mind when I ask you this question? What's the biggest What's the biggest thing you've seen with the program trans- transitioning from Manny to uh, Mario? Oh, my God. Um, well, we have time, so so I, I could talk about that. My God, it, it's only everything. I mean, it starts with the professional way that the program is being run. I, I, I mean, it's everything that I knew it needed and that I called out for the last few years. And now I see it. I mean, um, there's a, Manny Diaz could not have inspired this type of commitment from the university. Okay, that's number one. Manny Diaz could not have inspired the level of community engagement in the program that Mario Cristobal has. Um, you know, John Ruiz, who is the NIL god, probably wasn't getting engaged like this with Manny Diaz as the head coach. The Moss brothers certainly were not getting engaged like this if Manny Diaz was the head coach. Okay, then let's go to the coaching staff that Mario Cristobal then put together. Uh, After he already had the university on board, he had these key uh, influencers in the community on board. Now it was time to hire a coaching staff. I mean, my God, you know, Kevin Steele, one of the better defensive coaches in college football the last decade or or so you got uh, Charlie Strong, who's been a head coach for a dozen years or so, coaching your linebackers. Uh, coach Adai, who's coaching the defensive backs, is considered one of the young up-and-comers in coaching in, in college football. You've got uh, a defensive line group of uh, Joe Salavea, Rod Wright, um, and Jason Taylor, all who played in the National Football League. Jason Taylor, who's a Hall of Famer, now uh, tutoring your defensive ends. I mean, and that's just defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, you go and hire Josh Gaddis, who won the Broyles Award. Uh, Frank Ponce, who's an experienced coach at this point to coach your quarterbacks. Um, you know, Alex Mirabal, who's Mario Cristobal's right-hand guy to coach the offensive line. Um, so, like, you can go on and on and on. Like, this is a very good coaching staff that Mario put together. Uh, so that was the next, you know, level of of his – evolution as the head coach of Miami. Then you go to the next layer, the support staff. And I can't name everybody in the building. I, I, can't, I don't even know. It's like there's not even a staff list, okay? It's like there are more people that are in there working in support staff. And, you know, I mean, obviously Alonzo Highsmith as the GM uh, is a very prominent uh, figure, but uh, – there's a lot of people in there that are working on the support staff. They are doing a great job running recruiting, um, things like that. Um, 
so so that that was great. Uh, strength coach Aaron Feld. I, I mean, to me, like just an absolute freak as a strength coach. Such a unique personality. In fact, you know, Aaron Feld. He's got kids out there imitating him. I don't know if you've seen this video, but I'll play it again because I can't play it enough. This is so cool. Look at this. I mean, I mean, what if we ever had a strength coach that has little kids idolizing them and making social media uh, videos like that? But, um, Look, top to bottom, nutrition, you know, they're getting ready to build a hundred to $150 million facility that'll be as good as any in the country three, you know, probably three years down the road from now. Um, just every single thing that's going on in this program is top shelf, first class, uh, well thought out, great plan, and um, proven, a proven plan. And uh, I can't say enough about it. Seriously, like... I, I'm I'm blown away by what I see. Uh, I don't know how it's going to correlate into wins and losses this season. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know where this team ends up uh, in the one loss column. Uh, but whatever that ends up being, as Kings fans, all you guys out there can have 100% comfort that this program is being run as well as it can be run, and they are going to have a chance every single year. That is all that you can ask as a fan. Okay. And my last two questions, and I'll hang up then. Uh, I've seen Ed Orjon at a few practices. What is his role with the team? And will we get our own stadium? And upon saying that, I want to give a shout-out to the guy that called in and asked for prayers. The greatest healer in the universe sits in heaven on the right hand of his father and our father. So just keep looking up and uh, trust him. Um, okay, so um, the stadium is an interesting question. Uh, that's a pet project of John Ruiz, as you know. And uh, he would like to build a stadium at Tropical Park. And uh, they've engaged the architects and they're starting to come up with drawings and plans, and then they are going to have to present them first probably to Dade County and see if the county would come on board. I mean, it's going to take a lot of approvals. Uh, You're talking about parkland at Tropical Park, and I don't know if he's going to ask the county to give it to him for free, if he's going to ask for a favorable lease. Um, You're talking about totally redoing a public, a massive public park, so there's going to be a lot of layers. It's probably going to have to go to a public vote, I'm guessing. Uh, so there's a lot of layers with this Tropical Park Stadium concept. And right now, it's not even on the radar at the university. Okay, Right now, this is John Ruiz's project at, that he's trying to develop. At the university, they are focused on what they call the forever home for Miami football. And that is that new 100 to $150 million football complex that they will be building. Uh, They're getting ready to raise money for it right now. And they want it to be something that will stand the test of time. 
that will be as good as any facility in the country uh, so that they're not having to come back and do construction every few years. Um, you know, think about this. You just opened your indoor. You just redid everything. And now you just had to rebuild the locker room. Well, this locker room could have been built right the first time, okay? Like, you know, you're, it, it bothers me, man. It's like people, you know, guys that are subscribers that are in our fan base, they donate all these millions of dollars. There's a responsibility to spend them properly. And there is no reason why you have to be, you know, tearing up the locker room to build a new locker room. And uh, this quickly, and I get, you know, it's been five, what, maybe six, seven years since that locker room was done. Uh, I'm not counting. And, you know, I apologize to, you know, if I'm ruffling any feathers by saying this, but um, you know, the indoor practice facility, I mean, that thing was just open. Why was it built at 70 yards? Okay. Why? You're telling me, okay, they spent 41, 42, 43 million on that indoor practice facility. Let's say it would have taken 50 to make it a full 120 yards. Um, like you're telling me the university couldn't have come up with 10 million bucks. I mean, it's like they got to start. Like now you're going to have to spend another 10, 15, 20, whatever to extend it out as part of this whole project that's going to take place. So um, the important thing to me is that they must do this building right because they don't have to keep redoing it and redoing it and redoing it. And I think they are focused on that. I think that's what Dan Radakovich wants to see happen. And, um, you know, hopefully it, it does work out that way. And Ed Orgeron, oh, Ed Orgeron, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Ed Orgeron is kind of like, I don't even think he's like an official analyst. I think he just kind of comes out every now and then his son's working in the program uh, I think he's spending a lot of time in South Florida, and he likes to pop out for practice and things like that, and he's trying to be supportive. Mario's been very supportive of him and his family by giving his son an opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I think he's just trying to, you know, keep his, you know, he, you know, he's been around football his whole life. I'm sure he likes being around football. I uh, loves living in South Florida. And um, I saw some crazy video on social media um, with him the other day with this, you know, beautiful young, I mean, beautiful lady. And um, he's just loving life, man. They gave their, they're buying him out for $17 million at LSU. And he, he was doing an interview, I think it was this last week. He was joking about how, like, when LSU came to him and said, hey, things aren't going real well. Uh, we want you to leave, but we're going to honor your contract. We're going to give you $17 million. His response was, how quick can I leave? What door would you like for me to walk out? <laughs> you know, so he's a character, but um, I think he's just trying to uh, keep his hand in football. Hey, awesome show. I appreciate you taking the call, Gary. All right, man. Thank you for being part of it. All right, guys, we got a lot of open lines, man. Where is everybody tonight? 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. We are comfortably here in hour number two. Uh, we are not going to have a point counterpoint uh, segment tonight um, with Bruce Warner and a former player. There's a couple things happened that are precluding that from happening tonight. We'll be back with that uh, next week. Uh, tomorrow night we have the Lamar Thomas show, and we will have uh, Darren Krein coming on the show and Kelvin Harris coming on the Lamar Thomas show this week. Uh, so make sure you join us for the uh, Lamar Thomas show. But we got a lot of open lines here tonight, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, let's go out now to the uh, 678. 
You're live on Kingsport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hey, Gary. This is Mark. How are you? Hey, what's up, Mark? How are you doing tonight? I'm well. I'm well. Great show. Say, comment a little bit on, I guess I'm an untrained eye, but when I look at the defensive line, in particular the tackles and ends, I didn't see them getting a lot of push. I saw missed assignments on the edge, but I didn't see the push that we were hoping for. I know they were playing a lot of guys, but let's maybe limit it to more the the, the prime guys that you think are going to play the most role. Did did you see the push and I'm just missing it, or were they kind of a little bit flat? Um, I mean, I'm sure they were a little bit flat, but I, I think we saw it a little bit from Dale Jackson. I think we saw it a little bit from Leonard Taylor before he had his finger. Um, but they were playing very vanilla defense. I mean, there was not a lot of scheming going on. There was not a lot of stunting. Uh, they were not looking to show very much on either side of the ball. And that, that affects things. You know, it was just mano a mano football. And um, at the same time, uh, if you look at the rushing stats, they, I believe, and uh, let me, I'll pull them up here real, real quick just so I'm giving you accurate numbers. Um, but the, the, actual, the, the running backs uh, from scrimmage, I believe, had like 20 carries and only 25 yards of, of, of rushing. So um, most of their rushing yards were from quarterbacks scrambling. Uh, so um, I think that the, the dominance, the defensive line dominance that you're talking about might have been there a little bit more than we think. And it was lost because of all the scramble plays, um, the loss of containment in some situations that allowed Bethune-Cookman to have some success. And I think that's probably why you feel the way you do about it. Okay. Well, I guess what I'm just not, what I just wasn't seeing was that bull rush, that immediate disruption in the backfield that you would have liked to have seen against, say, a Bethune, because if you can't do it against them, how are you going to do it against the big boys? No doubt, man. And they're going to have to do it in 11 days. Comment a little bit on the offensive line, on what's going on with Zion Nelson and how did you think that they did in terms of opening up holes? It seems like they did a pretty good job in like the B gap and they, they seem to be able to open up holes, but I, you know, give me your comments on that. Um, you know, first of all, on Zion, uh, he's obviously still recovering. I mean, we, he's been out of practice, uh, but they're not going to rush him back. You know, they're not going to do that to him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if we see him this week. Because like we just said a little while ago, I personally think he has to play this week if he's going to play against Texas A&M. I can't imagine him just getting thrown out there against Texas A&M uh, unless John Campbell just can't handle it. And, um, you know, Campbell played okay this week, I thought. I thought they all looked, you know, pretty decent. They, they had, you know, 300-plus yards rushing. Um, make no mistake. Like, those guys were glorified blocking dummies that they were going against. Um I was not very impressed with what Bethune rolled out there uh, at the defense in the front seven, really. You know, I thought obviously Miami could do whatever it wanted and did. And, uh, you know, hopefully they get a little bit better test this week because they're going to need to be, you know, at the top of their game in college station. Yeah. 
Okay, and then lastly, just kind of a little different subject matter, is part of Mario's team overall something on the psychological side to get these guys ready for Saturdays? Oh, 100%. Yeah, he, he, they are always working the mind as well as the body uh, in this program right now. And a big part of that is Aaron Feld. Like, he's a big believer in that. And every day of the off season, you know, he was doing that. You know, they were, um, you know, they, they were coaching the minds as well as, you know, coaching the kids physically. And uh, they've had a lot of motivational speakers coming through in training camp. And uh, Mario Cristobal is a big believer in that. And, uh, you know, confidence, uh, mental edge, knowing your assignments, what you're supposed to do, um, feeling like you can do it. Uh, you, know, you can go on and on and pull out all the, the psychological factors of playing football. But, um, yes, he is a huge believer in that. He is always coaching the mind as well as the body. I just never hear that talked about. What What about having like a psychologist on staff? Oh, they do. They They've got them in the building, no doubt. Okay. They absolutely. They one hundred percent do. Okay. I How many? I'm not sure. I I think I know of one. Right. You know for sure. Um, I don't know if a second has been added uh, under Mario. That'd be something I'd have to ask and look into. Um, but sports psychology is a big deal when you're talking about teams, competition, um, even like individual sports. Like, you know, I don't know if you're a tennis fan or how many guys out there are tennis fans, but I've been watching a little bit of uh, the U.S. Open and that guy, Nick Kyrgios, and, uh, you know, that guy's got a lot of talent. And uh, he's like a psycho out there, man. But you could see where he's improving it and getting himself more under control. And he's getting results with it. And he's clearly getting help with that and he made the finals of Wimbledon and he's on track to make the finals possibly of the U.S. Open and this guy's career is going to a whole nother stratosphere because of the mental coaching that he's getting to keep his emotions under wrap when he's in the competitive arena and uh, it applies to team sports football no doubt about it uh, you know guys gotta you know have their emotions under control they have to you know, have their confidence in the right place. And, you know, if you don't believe you're going to catch a football, you're going to, you're going to drop a lot of balls. And, uh, you know, we've seen the improvement, we think, in the receivers. They didn't drop any balls this past week. And a lot of that's mental. I mean, I'm telling you, it was only two weeks removed from me being out on the practice field filming a drill with no defense, just quarterbacks and receivers, for 45 seconds, and I would say of maybe seven balls that were thrown in that drill, six of the seven were dropped. And it was to the point where I had to uh, erase the video from, from the camera because I couldn't post it on the website because of the ridicule that it would have drawn. And now they're out there. They caught every ball the other day. So they're, they're improving mentally as well as physically. And I think that crosses over through all sports, all positions. Um, it's a very important part of being an athlete and putting a team together. So I appreciate your comments, Gary. I'll let you go to the next caller. All right, man. Thank you for, for being part of the show. All right, guys, I'm going to go through these comments and then I've got some questions uh, to deal with that were submitted by the uh, posters 
at canesport.com. But I don't have any more callers in the queue that are raising their hands, and and I don't know where I don't know where everybody is tonight. Um, maybe it's still early in the season; they haven't uh, programmed themselves to being here on Tuesday night. But if you want to call the show tonight, and we we've been trying. We wanted to make an effort to keep these shows within two hours anyway. And like I said, we are not going to have the point-counterpoint segment tonight. But if you want to get into the show tonight, now is the time to call. Um, again, the number 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad um, if you want to come on the show. All right, um, let's continue on with the comments on YouTube. Um, good thing, Christopher Wright, man, he is this guy, I mean, I love this guy, he's always got to be pushing a button, and it doesn't matter if he's on the message board, if he's in the YouTube comments, so he says that it's a great thing that Manny Diaz handed Mario a great quarterback room, well, and you know what, C.D., Right. I mean, nobody can argue with that, man. Having a franchise quarterback in your first year as a head coach is absolutely massive. And I don't think Mario would suggest differently. And, and you know, this program needed some things. and It needed a better infrastructure. It needed a better plan. It needed a little bit better leadership. And it got it got all those things. But it doesn't mean that everything that Manny Diaz and his staff did was horrible. And um, I think it was, Dan, it, was, it was Dan Enos that recruited um, Tyler Van Dyke and uh, Rhett Lashley who recruited Jake Garcia. And they get credit for that, man. These are two very good quarterbacks. And uh, we'll see what Jacuri becomes. Um, he, you know, he, he, I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing him. I'm not. I mean, enormous athletic ability. Uh, I know that uh, Mario Cristobal loves athletic quarterbacks. He played with one at Oregon last year. It didn't work out as well as he would have wanted it to. Uh, but right now, I think it's the Tyler and Jake show quarterback. And, yeah, absolutely. If you want to give Manny credit, CD, give Manny credit because they did leave the quarterback room in a good place. Um, Catalyst 99 thinks that the Texas A&M game is our most important. And uh, it's certainly most important right now. A lot of respect on the line in that game for Miami because of the recent history of the big games and, and, and the fact that they have not gone well. And, uh, you know, I know Mario's going to have these guys ready to play. I mean, he took his Oregon team into Ohio State last year and they beat Ohio State and it wasn't close, you know, really. Like they had a great game plan and they executed it and it worked and they beat Ohio State at home. And, uh, I think he's going to have these guys ready to play for Texas A&M. They, you know, Texas A&M is doing a lot of head-to-head recruiting against Miami. Uh, they're coming down to South Florida, and they're putting they're, – they're, they're like circling one or two guys a year. You know, last year it was Shamar Stewart. This year it's Hakeem Williams. And they're all in, man. Like, they are like, we are going to get this kid no matter what we got to do. Okay? And um, – Obviously, now with NIL, you could do it legally. And, um, you know, I think it's important that Miami can exert superiority over Texas A&M if, it, if it's possible these next two seasons when they play. 
And uh, so I'm very confident that Miami is going to go up to College Station with all guns blazing. And, um, you know, we'll see how that works out. But, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I agree. It, 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 is, it, it is our most important now. Now, when the ACC schedule starts, hopefully Clemson becomes the most important. Hopefully you're winning the other games. And that game against Clemson is essentially to, to get into the ACC championship game, probably against Clemson again. <laughs> but, um, but right now, Texas A&M game, extremely important. Uh, no argument. Um, where's Matt? We need negative comments, Drew, Drew Linfield says. It's like, I can't expect Matt to do everything, okay? Like, you know, Matt works really hard. Matt, you know, we have shifts. Like, we are literally a 20-hour-a-day, probably, operation. And, you know, Matt gets up early, you know, real early and, and starts the morning shift. And, of course, we have our Good Morning Cane Sports show. I don't sleep a lot. And I, I'm like the guy that does a lot of the night work and I stay up late and um, for breaking news and things like that. Um, so, it, you know, it's 930 at night right now. We're about, you know, 15 hours into Matt Shodell's workday. So I don't ask him to do Cane Sport Live on Tuesday nights. Um, you know, he, he does a lot. And, um, you know, so uh, this is the show for you, really for you guys uh, to call in and have a voice. And, um, you know, I would like to keep it that way. Uh, we just need all of our guys to, you know, come on board and call in. And a couple of them just did jump in. So I'm going to go back to the phone lines now. 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go out to the 706. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, good evening, Gary. Uh, welcome to a new year. This is Sebastian. Hey, what's up, Sebastian? How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. First, let me give you and Matt a shout-out on Kane Sport Live. I, I really start my day off, and I really, really you appreciate it. You mix it up your show. It's Good Morning Kane Sport. Uh, oh, Good Morning Kane Sport. Good Morning Kane Sport, yeah. But, uh, but, no, I really appreciate the, the, the back and forth, the dialogue, the analysis. It's entertaining, and it's very, very informative. So I, I just want to give you a quick shout-out on that. I, I'm kind of late to the call. I know a lot of this stuff has already been discussed. But there's some things that I've been curious on. Uh, are we, or should we be concerned with the defensive back recruiting? Um, it looks like we had two safeties that were locked in and both went other places, and, the cornerback board looks kind of small, so are, are we, like, at the plan B side yet, or did we just miss on some targets that we really, really identified that, you know, that we just missed on? All right, I'm going to need you to clarify for me. I'm, I'm misunderstanding your question a little bit. Are you asking me about safeties? Yeah, uh, yeah. It looks like a defense. I'm looking at corners and safeties. It looks like we were on target to land some elite prospects and they – and they went the other way, and it looks like, you know, are we at the plan B stage right now, or will other targets emerge? It seems like we just kind of fell flat in that area. Yeah, I don't know that I would call it plan B when you're lining up with uh, James Williams, Avante Williams, Cam Kinchins, um, and behind them you got guys like Brian Ballum and Al Blades. And um, Is there an Ed Reed or Sean Taylor out there? Absolutely not. Okay, uh, but – and I know James Williams is trying to be Sean Taylor. I get, I get it. Okay, and he, and maybe he will become that. You know, he. I thought James looked, looked good the other day. I thought his interception was spectacular. Great instincts and, um, 
you know, but I'm not ready to say Sean Taylor. Uh, but um, Matt and I talked about this before, before the season, and there was a great assumption that, oh, my God, our safeties are unbelievable. You know, it's going to be the strongest position on the team. Uh, you know, if there were superlatives that could be thrown out, I think they were thrown out. And um, the truth is, when you kind of like, you know, it, it, it depends. Like, do, do you want to, you know, do you want to be wearing like these things when you talk about it? Or, you know, or, or, or not, you know, and, um, excuse me, my screen just went haywire. I don't know what, I didn't mean to screw that up. But, um, you know, the truth of the matter is that, you know, these guys, like Avante Williams hasn't played a lot of football for Miami. I mean, we don't know how great he's going to be. Um, I think Cam Kinchins is spectacular. And, and you saw the interception that he had last week. I thought it was a great interception. Uh, James Williams obviously can be very good. But his tackling was not very good last season. We'll see how it is this season. Um, you know, he's still learning. There, uh, I, I know it's a, it's a, it's a hot button. I know it's, I'm going to trigger some people here when I say this, but I think there is still question: Is he a true free safety, or is he a hybrid kind of linebacker type of player? Uh, I saw him in the box quite a bit uh, last week. I think we're going to continue to see him in the box quite a bit so they can get all three of their safeties on the field at the same time. But I think it's still a position that is unproven. I, I really do like, like there's no, there's not, there's no deep resume there. And that shouldn't be offensive to anybody. I mean, I think that's the facts. I mean, and hopefully that will evolve here as the season goes forward. And by, by the time we get to the end of the year, there will be a resume. Um, but, you know, is it elite like Sean Taylor, Ed Reed? Absolutely not. Would I call it, I can't, uh, I'm trying to remember what term you used. Um, what was the phrase you used to describe it? Uh, um, I, I was just saying, I, I don't know what I said. I think I said, like, it was a solid play. I think we kind of missed. You know, we swung some fences on, you know, some, uh, you know, we had some prime targets that we just missed out on, you know, like Bonzu and um, and uh, I think the other guy that went to Georgia. Yeah, but you're, you're talking now into the future. Like, th- those are, that's recruiting class stuff. We're a long way from the finish line in recruiting. Um, that, you know, that's still, what, three months away? And yeah. December, December is going to be... The wild, the wild Wild West Part 2, I promise you that. There's going to be a lot of movement. You're going to see new commitments. You're going to see decommitments. Um, you're going to see kids that thought they were going to get big NIL deals whose market value is going to go down because they played like garbage this year, and people aren't going to want them as badly or want to give them as big of NIL deals as they maybe might have. And there's going to be other guys that are going to rise up and play better, and they're going to command bigger NIL deals. And the whole thing is going to be crazy in the month of December. Um, NCAA, don't even try to legislate in the month of December this year. It is going to be a nuthouse. There is no doubt about it. And um, so I wouldn't jump to conclusions about the recruiting class yet. Uh, maybe Bonsu comes, comes back into, into the mix. Maybe there's somebody better than him that comes into the mix. 
Okay. Okay, I I I I I, I can come on. I come on to that. You know, I, I I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I just saw a lot of the highlights. But I guess a lot of the comments that came out from the game was just that the team really looked very very disciplined. You know, aside from Cam Kitchen's, uh, you know, celebration, it's the first interception of the season. I give him a pass on that. It seemed like the kids were very very disciplined, very very locked in, and and, and prepared. Um, was that something that you took away from the game? Um, absolutely. Um, and and the minute that they weren't disciplined, Mario Cristobal was going on in one of his tirades that, you know, don't always look the greatest on television, you know. Um, but he made it clear that there's nothing that Mario hates more than showboating. And, you know, extracurricular, you know, like – when you're a champion, if you're a championship team, you know, like the old Hurricanes were, and you're winning titles and you want to show swag and that kind of thing, you know, my guess is he'll be somewhat more tolerant of it then. But, you know, right now, a, a team that's in development like this one is, like, he doesn't want to see his guys spiking balls and getting 15-yard penalties and things like that. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to see individual displays. Um, that draw individual attention to people. He wants this, these guys playing like a team uh, with a, a united focus, and uh, he's demanding that. But So other than that brief moment where he kind of like laid into his defense a little bit, absolutely they were disciplined. I mean, I didn't see uh, sloppy penalties uh, of any type. Um, let me see here. I'm trying to look up uh, – I've got the stat sheet in front of me. I, I mean, I don't remember many penalties at all. I mean, other than the the 15 yarder, and then yeah, and I guess there were a couple of like 30 yards of penalties, five penalties like 30 yards. Other than that one, I mean, yeah, I, I thought they were very disciplined. Okay, uh, there's just two quick questions, then I'll move on. There's a lot of talk about the linebackers play in relation to trying to get the new guys on board, you know, um, transfer from UCLA, Smith, and also uh, West of the Saints. Is it a matter of them just learning the defense? Uh, they're more talented, but they just don't learn. They haven't had to learn the defense for them to get out there. Or are we just bringing it along slowly just because we don't have the depth that we need at the linebacker position? Yeah, I don't think anybody's being brought along slowly. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think they're being brought along as fast as they could be brought along. Um, there's nothing that the coaches would love more, I don't think, than to see Wesley the Saints rise up and be ready to play. I mean, um, he's a true freshman. I mean, it, it's asking a lot. It, it's a whole different deal than playing in high school. But he clearly has the athletic ability to do it. And uh, it, it's a stampede, like, you know, him – Chase Smith, you know, these, these guys are going to get opportunities and, you know, they're probably better than Steed and Flag. And as soon as they are ready, I think they will shoot past those guys. Uh, when that will happen, it's impossible to predict. Okay. The last you question can't I have is you can't we... force it. You know, you can't force it because – you know, you try to force it and you make a mistake, you, you, it's going to cost you a ball game. Because you, you're no, going to be the key. Yeah. So you got to let it just happen organically, you know? No, I, I, I get that. I, I get that. And, 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 I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. And I'm excited to 
see what these young guys are going to bring. Uh, the question I have is, are we at risk for any transfer, transferring out of the program? I mean, when I see a kid like Jalen Terrell get suspended and I see Horton get suspended, you know, I'm just wondering is it maturity or, you know, are these kids not buying into the program? What's, what's going on with it? I know Mario's not going to stand for that. 100% you're going to see transfers, okay? I mean, think about this. I think they had 21 players leave the program in this offseason that just passed. I'll bet you're going to have another 15 to 20 players leave the program in the next offseason. It's part of the process that has to happen to allow the program and roster in general to make forward progress. And make make no mistake, I don't know what the record's going to be when we get to the end of November, but – there has been forward progress made. This is a better team. Other than the fact that you lost a lot in Rambo and Harley and because, yeah. of, because of what they meant to the team, not because they were great players, both got cut from NFL camps. You know, they're not going to be probably not going to be NFL players. Um, but as far as college players on this team, they were pretty good last year. And, if you had them back this year, and man, Rambo, oh, did he blow it, man. Because he could have come back, he could have got himself a big NIL deal, and he would be such a, a, a key component of this team this year. And yeah. we would have a whole different look outlook here, in my opinion, if, we had, if they had Rambo. But, um, you know, so, like, I think you're going to see as part of this evolution and uh, turning over the roster you and guys that don't play very much this year and don't have a future here. I, I think there'll probably be 15, 16 of those that, that will leave. I'm just guessing. Okay. Now that just makes it. I mean, that just makes sense to me. And the only reason why I say that is because some kids want to play football just because they want to play football. You know, they, they don't may not have the talent to make it to the league. But instead of sitting on a roster and sitting on a team and not playing and not developing and keeping other guys from being able to come in, come on board, I just think they want to, you know, see other green pastures. Hey, Gary, I enjoyed, I'm enjoying the show in the morning. I'm, I'm, I finally understand how to get back on Kane Sport. The show is going to be on Tuesdays, every Tuesday, going moving forward, right? The show will be every Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Lamar Thomas show okay. every, Wednesday, every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to see what they look like this weekend. You know, I'm crossing my fingers against College Station. And I just want a fourth quarter game, and then we'll we'll just go from there. That's what I that's what I'm shooting for. I just want a fourth quarter game in College Station, and uh, best team wins. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. I appreciate it. Keep me on hold. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, I've got one caller I'm going to get to in a minute. Other than that, we have a wide open board. So if you want to get on tonight, um, you need to call in now. Um, looking at some more of the comments on YouTube, um, Manuel Soto says, we put Zion out there as a freshman against UF. He's built for this. Yeah, we did. We did. And it was ugly, okay? And a Zion who has not gone through training camp, who missed spring, who, well, no, he didn't miss spring, but he, he didn't go through training camp, 
and thus far has not played in the game this year. To throw him out there against one of the better lines, Texas A&M, I mean, can they do it? Yes. But I think John Campbell at that point, if that's how it plays out, would get the first nod. And uh, But we'll see. Maybe Zion is ready to go 20, 30 reps this week and start getting his feet back into it, and then we'll see. Uh, Honey IV, my man says Mario has bodyguards, I'm sure. He didn't have any bodyguards on Saturday, man. He was walking through. He had one guy, one staffer walking with him in the parking lot. And uh, I, I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, thank God he doesn't have to walk through Florida State fans to, to get over to the recruiting area. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they have the same recruiting area for Florida State. Brennan Coffey wants to know, where's our man Ross? Ross, Ross, Ross. That's a great question. I miss Ross. Like, Ross is one of the highlights of Kane Sport Live, and uh, I'm sure he'll make an appearance here soon. He, he, he likes to be part of this show. Um, so I'm not sure why, uh, why it's taking him some time to be here. Um, can I get somebody to bench? Uh, U-Town wants to know if we can bench a quarterback and a linebacker that should not be playing. Um, I know who you're talking about. U-Town, and uh, no, I cannot handle that for you. Uh, that's going to have to happen organically. Um, just remember, this is a new coaching staff. They don't have the same preconceived ideas that the fan base has. So um, those guys that you're referring to are going to have to not play well to fall into that type of favor with their coaches, and surely – that is not what, as a Canes fan, you're really cheering for. Like, you would really love to see those guys do as well as the coaches think they're going to do, which is why they're putting them out there right now. We'll see what happens. Um, Miami went from a GA as linebacker coach to Charlie Strong. Has to be better. Uh, McCromick says that, and got to totally agree. Um, let's go. Um, let's see. <laughs> Norman Smith, got to think Manny Diaz handed Mario a great linebacker room. LMAO, yeah, that's an LMAO for sure, uh, Norman Smith. Um, you know, that, that obviously was uh, not the case. Um, let's see, Brian McKenzie wants to see the right players out on the field, put the best guy in, freshman or not. They take his lumps, it's okay. Okay. So you throw a freshman out there against Texas A&M. If he takes his lumps, ah, it's okay until he busts, in, you know, midway through the fourth quarter and gives up an easy touchdown to the Aggies, and now you end up losing that game, and the whole fan base is calling for Mario Cristobal to be fired, and all hell's breaking loose. So it's easy out here to have those kind of opinions, um, but in reality, coaches do not like to put players out on the field that don't prove that they are ready. And they got to prove it in practice all week. They got to prove it on Friday nights when they take the tests on the game plan to prove that they know the game plan. Um, and uh, they're not looking at it the way uh, that you are. Uh, a love fest starring uh, Manuel Soto. Man, you're in rare form tonight. You must be drinking with honey. Uh, love fest starring Gary John Ruiz and the coaching staff. What do you mean love fest? Yeah, like I love this coaching staff. If that's what you're talking about. And John Ruiz is saving this program. So if your commentary is on me complimenting those two uh, elements of what is taking place in Miami football right now, yeah, guilty as charged, man. Like, you know, put me in jail. 
because I will I will go down in handcuffs, whatever, uh, arguing about the coaching staff and John Ruiz, who to me is saving Miami athletics right now. So, um, yeah, man, um, that's uh, that's thing. C.D. Wright again, who let's preface this was a huge Manny Diaz fan. Okay, uh, was constantly defending Manny says provide the resources with all of our head coaches suggesting that Manny Diaz didn't get the resources. All right. Now, CD, let's take you back to reality, my man. Okay. Manny Diaz's father was the mayor of Miami for almost a decade. Okay. He knows and probably could call in favors from every power broker in the state of Miami, the 305, the 954, you know, certainly the 305, okay? So if Manny Diaz Jr. was capable of commanding that type of commitment, I have to believe that it could have happened, okay? The Moss brothers and John Ruiz were not inspired. They're not part of that circle, okay? And there's, there, I mean, it's Miami. There's, there's circles, there's cliques. You know, everybody just assumes that all the Latinos are together. No, all the Latinos aren't together any more than all the Anglos are all together. I mean, no one's all together. There's different, you know, groups. There's different networking elements in play, different guys that do business with each other. It's a little more complicated than people would think. So CD, it's not just a matter of providing resources. If you're the University of Miami, and you're talking about taking $50 million or whatever, whatever that number is, of your medical, uh, of your hospital profits, and you're applying them to the football program, you have to be inspired to do that, okay? Now, maybe it was Kirk Herbstreet's comments. Maybe it was the demands of what it was going to take to get Mario Cristobal, because if the University of Miami and the University of Miami community was not all in on this thing, this was not happening. I will tell you that right now. Mario was not coming if they were not all in. Okay? So Mario was able to inspire everybody to get all in. Manny was not, period. And you can't blame anybody for that but Manny because Manny did have a resource in his dad who was very well connected in South Florida. Um, hope that explains that. Um, I feel like, you know, that's, that's pretty accurate. So, Stevie... Don't agree with you on that one, my man. I don't, I don't think you're right. Um, Mike Williams says Miami better have a good record at the end of the season. If not, we will lose recruits to Florida and Florida State. Florida and Florida State better have a good record at the end of the season, too. Florida State got lucky the other night. They did look much better to me. I think they're making progress as a program. Um, but LSU should have won that game, and they didn't. So Florida State got a pass on that one. They got that one. But Florida State and Florida better have good records at the end of the year as well. Okay, uh, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550 is the number. Let's go out to the 678. Um, you're live on K-Sport Live, and by the way, if you do call the number, you got to hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. 678, you're live on K-Sport Live. What's going on, friend? It's T-Dog. Hey, what's up, T-Dog? Hello. Two weeks in a row, man. Hey. It's so I'm great to you, have man. you back. I'm so happy you're back. I would have called in early. I was at my son's uh, football practice, my 10-year-old son. So, um, 
But anyway, I don't know if I missed it earlier. I, I kind of heard you tee it up for me again like you did last week with Garcia. You were talking about a certain cornerback. I don't know if you had the conversation yet about Ivy, but um, I don't understand what it is about this guy, man. Like you hear in practice, um, in camp, you know, he's got the, the size, the length, the acumen and all that. But then when you see him in the game, he takes horrible angles. He missed tackles when he does – take the correct angle, he makes the tackle. He somebody, somebody usually breaks the tackle. And he's always playing catch-up. I just the fascination with this guy. Please enlighten well, me. Uh, T-Dog, you got new coaches this year, and they come in, and they're looking at this guy, and he's everything you just said he is. He's got speed. He's long. Um, does well in practice, usually. I mean, doesn't really get beat a lot in practice. And, and there's something that happens in a game – where he's just not he, – he doesn't bring his game from the practice field to the playing field as well as he needs to, you know? Um, I can't explain it. Um, and I I'm not saying kick him off the team, but does he have to no, start? He he's got – this is, I think, his sixth year on the team. He's not getting kicked off the team. Um, but – uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't need him to be kicked off, but does he have to start it is what I'm asking well, like, can I he mean, not be a rotational guy? Uh, I think Porter was brought in here with the idea that he would start, and clearly the coaches felt that DJ Ivy had a better training camp than Porter. Uh, how long that will stick, you know, I I don't know. Um, Isaiah Dunstan had a, has had good spring and fall. Uh, the only thing he lacks is foot speed. I don't know, you know, that they could throw him out there full time. Uh, Al Blades, they moved to safety. Uh, the young kids, the young freshmen are doing pretty well. Uh, Malik Curtis, uh, Graves, um, you know, they're, they're doing well, but they're not ready to play. So uh, they need DJ Ivy out there. Corey Couch is more of a slot corner. So um, really it's Porter that is going to have to unseat him if he's going to get unseated. And, and it kind of um, – his issue is the same issue I have with some of the other players on the team in general with the team speed. I don't know about you, Furman, but it's been a while since I can really sit and watch a Miami game and say, God, that guy has speed. God, that guy just – I mean, other than Keyshawn, I, I, I must say he surprised me. I didn't even think he was that fast until that kickoff return. He, or the, the return. He, he, looked, he looked fast because of how bad Bethune's kickoff team was. He's not that fast. Is that fast. what it was? Yeah, I mean, Keyshawn, you know, he's okay. He's four, five, four, six, somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, he could accelerate a little bit if he's – I mean, you got to understand. I mean, it was like running uh, the 100-yard dash the other day. I mean, there's nobody near him. There's nobody nobody close to him on on a lot of that those returns. But Yeah, he was uh, you know, Yeah, you're right. I mean, so let's see what it like. My question to you is, and, and, and I know people didn't like Swayze, and, you know, he had his shortcomings and all that, but don't you agree that it's been a minute since, like, he was here when we had some, like, team speed? Like, I just feel like the team hasn't had speed on both sides of the ball in, like, you know, 10 years. No doubt. I mean, that's called recruiting, man. Uh, got to do a better job of recruiting. Got to do a better job of evaluation. Can't just look at a high school tape and judge somebody's speed. Um, you know, hopefully with Alonzo Highsmith in the building now and a deeper scouting department and a better evaluation taking place, uh, they won't make as many mistakes in that regard. But there is no question about what you are saying 
you are 100% spot on. Uh, speed is an issue uh, for this team. And my last point I want to bring up, the ends, the defensive ends. What, what do you think about these ends, man? I, I, it was Bethune, so I just figured we would have, you know, some crazy sack numbers, you know, pad the stats for the year. And I just didn't see that. What about you? I think Mesador is unbelievable. Uh, I, I think that he is going to be a great player this year and have a great season. Um, Harvey, I mean, he's been hyped up a lot. There's no question he's better than what he's been. But, I mean, is he going to suddenly be a difference maker out there? I don't know. I, I think Mesador and Agude are the two that you got to really, really look at. Um, I don't know if Nigel e. Kelly can, you know, he's a true freshman. That's asking a lot for him to be that far enough along uh, this year. But he certainly has a physical ability and is going to be very good uh, down the road. Cyrus Moss is just way too skinny. But, um you know, I think I try to tell the guys a little more that about Moss. Yeah, I think if 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 those two guys, those two transfers, stay healthy, I think they'll show you a lot this year. All right, Furman. All right, man. Well, I'll try to catch on catch you uh, earlier this week, man. Yeah, Great no sweat, man. Thanks for calling in, T Dog. Good to hear from you. Five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, let's go to the 727. You are live on King Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. How you doing today? What's going on, Jake? How you doing this week? Doing good. Recovering from a long weekend. That was a, whew, that was a hot game. That, uh, <laughs> I got seats out in the sun there, and oh, boy, is that, uh, is that a scorcher. <laughs> so, uh, that was a fun game, though. Can't complain. Did, you know, we took yeah. care of business. Hey, one of the things I, I, you know, I was just thinking to myself, you know, everyone's, uh, uh, everyone's really uh, hot and bothered about Corey Flagg and DJ Ivy. Um, you know, one thing I was, I, I was thinking is, you know, these are both of them are veteran guys. Um, you know, they, they've been with the program here for a while. To me, is it something where? You know, the coaches are throwing those guys out there seeing, hey, what's the max we can get out of these guys? What do they got? But at the same time, you've got more talented guys behind them. To Corey Couch, uh, you know, um, oh, who else? Uh, Caleb Johnson, what have you. And two games, we're, we're going to blow out the opponent. There, there, there's no question about it. Uh, the, the the balance of the game doesn't hang in the line. So two things to me is that you've got kind of a psychological angle where you're pushing the guys behind them who probably have more talent to learn the plays better, execute better, all the while seeing what you've got with, you know, the two more veteran guys. But then on top of that, you're also giving a little bit less footage to Texas A&M and kind of throwing uh, uh, a little wrench in, you know, in their game planning, not knowing exactly who's going to be out there. I was just curious what your thoughts are on that. There might be a little gamesmanship taking place, but it's hard to say because Mario Cristobal believes so strongly that guys have to earn their status on the team and that you don't play somebody who has not earned it because that has a trickle-down effect throughout the roster. And 
Uh, I think that's one of his, um, you know. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at is that like. Flag and Ivy, from all accounts, have been busting ass in camp and getting it done. So you're kind of rewarding them when there's no consequence to giving them extra burn. And then you're also kind of pushing the guys behind them to work even harder to, to you know, put in even more effort to to supplant them. And, you know, in the meantime, uh, th- there's no consequence to doing that. Um I don't know. Just a thought on that. that I, uh, listen, something, uh, I would have no problem agreeing with you on that. You know, that, that, there, that could be some of what's at play. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yep. Um, hey, one thing I wanted to ask, you know, being at that game, man, the, that quarterback they had, boy, was he fast. Um, do you think that's the fastest quarterback we're playing all year? Um, I would be lying to you if I've evaluated the speed of every quarterback of every opponent. Uh, I agree with you. He was very athletic, very fast, and he did give them problems. Uh, but I honestly, Jake, I don't have an answer for you on that one. I have not done that kind of evaluation. Yeah, that just that scared me a little bit. I don't think that, you know, I watched some of that Texas A&M game. I don't think that, I mean, a kid's got a little speed, but not like, uh, not like the guy we played. I don't think we really game planned for that either. You could tell that, you know, like they're, they're just the, – the defensive ends, there wasn't any contain on that, uh, you know, that, that, that what, third and 23. Uh, you know, that kind of boiled my blood because that brought me back to some Manny Diaz trauma. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was just one of those things where I, I don't think they really put uh, one iota game plan into this other than, you know, maybe uh, uh, just, you know, checking out a little bit of film on these guys. But I don't, I don't, you know, you could tell that they were just going straight vanilla in that game, start to finish. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they are this week if they got a little more game plan going, too. Yeah. Um, you got anything else, Jake? But anyway, yeah, that's no, that's it for me. Yeah, no, I just uh, just wanted to chime in. I was just thinking about those things, and then uh, yeah, we'll see. Should be uh, another. Uh, hopefully, uh, find out a little bit more about this team. See if they can correct some of the mistakes this Saturday and uh, get this thing looking good, heading into three uh, week three. So, all right, man. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. Sounds good. Talk to you then. All right, guys, um, last call for phone calls for tonight. We're at the, that two-hour magic mark here. Um, I'll keep the show going for a little bit longer if anybody else wants to get in real quick. Um, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, let me finish off here on these YouTube comments. Um, a lot of sparring going on with Norman Smith and C.D. Wright. Um, about the whole resources, Manny Diaz, Mario Cristobal thing. Uh, uh, Fukoff uh, wants to know um, thoughts on Michael Redding's, uh, he calls it insurgency, but I think he means emergence. Um, I think it's great, man. You know, Michael Redding was a recruit out of IMG that people thought was going to be pretty good. But an example probably of the evaluation issue that I was talking about a few minutes ago does not have great speed. Is never going to have great speed, but it was nice to see him get involved, make catch the ball, and you know there's going to be a lot of games this year where he will be good enough to make a contribution, and uh, 
hopefully he's able to do that. Uncle Bill is predicting a Texas A&M going down uh, in week three. Uh, I think a lot of people would love to see that. Um, <laughs> Manuel Soto, man, is anticipating Frank Gore Jr. breaking 200 yards. Man, I don't know, man. The run defense was pretty good last week. I would not uh, predict, and, and this is a running team. They'll be ready for the running game. I'm not predicting any 200-yard uh, rushing outing, outings there for Frank Gore Jr. Um, I got to weed through this Christopher Wright, Norman Smith fight to look for some more, if there's any more thoughts. Um, let me see. Uh, everyone wants to know where Ross is. I, I agree. I think Ross doesn't realize the show started yet because he hasn't missed too many Tuesdays over many, many, many years. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get Ross back here um, pretty soon. Um, all right. Um, so anyway, let me, uh, let me touch on the topics that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com by our subscribers. Uh, let's see. Um, reaction to the performance of the defense Potential issues defending mobile quarterbacks. Absolutely a legit concern. Um, no question about it. Um, it was exposed a little bit by Bethune-Cookman. I mean, it absolutely was. And um, listen, they're working hard on that in practice this week. I can, I can uh, tell you guys uh, that for, for, for absolute certainty. Um, we'll see how it goes. <coughs> God, man, I'm losing my voice here. Um, all right, so let's um, <clears throat> let's move on. Um, give me a second, take a drink. I'm literally losing my voice. All right, um, <clears throat> if the coaches are trying to build the um, the confidence of the receivers, why didn't they get them more involved in the BC game? Um, reason for that was they don't want to show the passing game. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's that simple. Um, you know, they, they do not want to, sh- you know, they, they are going to roll it out against Texas A&M. And you might see a little bit more this week, but I don't think you're going to see a lot more. Um, I, th- I think that they've worked hard on it in practice, very hard on it in practice. And I think you'll see a true rollout of Josh Gaddis's passing game at Miami in College Station in 11 days. Um, they, they've built all the confidence that they need on the, um, on the practice field. They, they don't have to build confidence against Bethune-Cookman. That's, that's artificial confidence, uh, to be honest with you. Does Mario have a staff looking ahead at opponents? Absolutely. Uh, there's GAs in there, um, other staffers that are breaking down tape on opponents, doing deep scouting reports. Uh, they do a lot of it in the offseason as well. Uh, there is no question about it that Mario has a team inside the building doing advanced scouting on opponents. Uh, they are not just taking it one game at a time. Um, after week one, has the opinion of uh, beating Texas A&M or Clemson changed? Um, no. I, I, listen, those are tough games. Clemson on the road is tough. Texas A&M on the road is tough. If they split those games, it's a win, okay? If they can win one of the two, uh, they're doing well. I don't think anybody is going to sit here and say this team's going undefeated this year. So 
You got to win all the games you should win, not not let down in any of those. If you could split uh, Texas A&M and Clemson, you know Mario's coach of the year probably in college football. That that would be an eleven and one season. Uh, you'd be right on the fringe of the playoff, or you know, depending on how you might do in the ACC title game. I mean, I mean that's uh, that would be pretty darn good. Uh, will they roll out a similar vanilla game plan against Southern Miss? Uh, yeah, I would expect it to be pretty vanilla if the game goes well. I do think there will be more on the play sheet this week, just in case. Uh, you know, Bethune Cookman. I mean, you saw they scored seventy points. They, you know, they they, they knew going in that. There was just such a personnel disparity. Uh, this team will have better personnel than Bethune-Cookman. I think there will be more options on the play sheet. You know, whether they need them or not uh, remains to be seen. Um, all right. Um, I think that's going to do it for Kane Sport Live for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this Tuesday night. Um, tomorrow night, we've got the Lamar Thomas Show. Uh, special guests will be Darren Krein. Kelvin Harris, uh, good morning, Kane Sport, tomorrow morning, obviously, and every morning. Uh, if you like this show, hit your like button, hit your subscribe button here on YouTube. It helps us with YouTube and with the algorithms. Uh, if you're not yet a canesport.com uh, subscriber, uh, let me put that information up on our screen here for a minute. Um, we, had, we moved our site from the Rivals Network to the On3 Network. Part of the deal that we negotiated when we moved was that the entire fan base can be a subscriber to our site for their first year for $1. Okay. That was one of the conditions of the move. Otherwise we weren't moving. And um, so you've got the $1 introductory special uh, to come join us. We're on the on three network now. Uh, a lot, you know, we think we have a lot of really good content every day. We've got a great community. A lot of people that call in and listen to the show. Um, please join us if you haven't yet. Your first year will be a dollar. Hopefully, obviously, we hope you'll stick around after that. Um, subscriptions make every single thing that we do every day possible. It allows us to keep expanding our staff. Uh, we added a, a nice young man by the name of Azubi Charles this year. Uh, we're going to be hiring another uh, totally recruiting dedicated a writer here in the near future and all that's made possible by you guys and your subscriptions. So uh, we thank you wholeheartedly for your support. And if you're not with us yet, we hope you'll join us. Um, that's going to do it for today. Thank you for being part of the show. We'll see you next week. We'll see you tomorrow with Lamar and um, we'll see you in the morning with good morning Kane sport and all the other stuff that we do every single day. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>